This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this new episode, I talk to Sarah Henning, whose newest book, Throat Like a Girl, is out on January 7th. Sarah is also the author of the Sea Witch Duology, so we talk about what it's like to go from uh, fantasy writing into contemporary, her background in journalism, and some of the books that have inspired her. So listen in. So Sarah, what book hooked you? I love this question because, you know, there's always books that really just stand out in your mind. And the answer I always get when people are like, what series of, you know, I not read that you want, that you think everyone should read. And I always talk about Robert McCammon's Matthew Corbett series. Um, and the first book is called Speaks the Nightbird. Um, I think there are four or five of them now. And um, they are, um, I, like, I fell very hard for these books because they're sort of everything that I try to do as a writer. They're really good historical fiction. They're funny. They're really smart. Like, the prose is beautiful. Um, Speaks of the Nightbird is set in 1699 in the Carolinas, and it has to do with a witch trial. And it sort of launches these books about Matthew Corbett, who is this geeky, gangly orphan who is really smart and sort of morphs into this, like, pre-revolutionary war James Bond, but he's dorky and um, and just, like, really lovable. And I just love um, the exquisite writing and how thrilling and funny it is. Like, in one of his later books, he actually has um, a literal bull in a china shop, and it's all just very tongue-in-cheek because these are characters in, you know, 1700, and they have no idea what that metaphor means. Um, And so I always come back to this series, and uh, I think they started publishing in the early 2000s, and they're not really well-known. They're not even YA, but um, after, I think Matthew Corbett's character might be 20 in the first book. So he's still trying to find his way in adulthood. And I just, I love them to death. Great. And and I'm not familiar with him. This is the first time. No, people are not. And he Robert McCammon is actually a really kind of famous writer in the South. He's from Birmingham. Um, he wrote a book called A Boy's Life, which is completely different okay. than these books. He's also written horror books. Um, he wrote one contemporary called The Five. Uh, about a, a rock band <laughs> like he's kind of all over the place because he can be um and i just i don't know what it is about these books but i love them so much and i've read his other books but like they don't hook me in the same um, way I'm trying to think i think i'm the boy's life i think that one i may have read because that mm-hmm. that sounds familiar so this is a book that or a series that you it sounds like read a little more uh recently but mm-hmm. if we kind of back up even a little bit farther, have books always sort of been a major part of your life? Oh, yes. Like, yeah. Like I was the kid that would, before I could write, I would draw pictures and then staple them together and create a book, you know. Yeah. Um, and my aunt writes um, children's nonfiction. And so I was always like really enamored with the fact that I had an author in the family. And I always wanted to be an author. But then um, – when I was in junior high, I kind of realized that maybe, like, I might want a job where I go to work every day and, like, get paid all the time and, um, like, on a frequent basis, which writers do not. Because um, my aunt was very, like, you know, just told it like it was about how publishing works. And so I ended up um, kind of veering into journalism because I, I really just wanted to tell stories. And um, 
And so I was never an ambulance chaser. Mm-hmm. I was interested in writing feature stories and just writing those like human interest type stories that, um, you know, aren't breaking news, but are really interesting. And, and from there, I actually moved into sports writing because I think, you know, all of the really great stories are in sports, right? Like you already have built in stakes, you have the villain, you have, you know, the big climactic game and, um, so I think I was always drawn to that kind of structure and the story that's already built in because it kind of filled, um, my need for more narrative, longer fiction, but I could never really escape the fact that I wanted to write fiction. So, um, you know, I wrote some books growing up as a kid. I wrote like basically kind of like a version of Lost meets Lord of the Flies when I was 11. I sent it mm. off to Penguin. <laughs> I got a nice reply like, thank you so much, but no. Um, and then, uh, you know, got busy in college. I was a double major in journalism and Spanish. And um, after college, I started writing again books. I was working at newspapers at night. And so during the day, I would write. And that's sort of where I picked it back up. But then I um, got married, had one kid who's now 11, and took some time off. And when he was a toddler, I started back up again. So I had all these, like, stops and starts, but I always knew what I wanted to do. When you ended up sort of getting back in writing, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's short during or shortly after college or even uh, mm-hmm. once you were a parent, what – did you think you would be writing? What was the first thing you were kind of taking a stab at? (laughs) So I started and I actually got my agent um, based on adult crime fiction. So (laughs) my, the book that actually got me my agent was called dead meat. And it was about um, chefs in South Florida who were being murdered in their own kitchens with their own implements in like really disgusting ways. (laughs) And, and, it was funny because I really thought that was it. I was, you know, going to make it on this. I really like reading um, crime fiction. I, you know, I read all of the Jack Reacher books in order, <laughs> you know, like, and even growing up, I read, um, I volunteered at a library and one of the librarians um, introduced me to the Lillian Jackson Brown series about uh, the cat who XYZ, okay. like there's yeah. a whole bunch of them. Sure. Um, so I read a lot of mystery growing up, like both cozy and then, um, as I got older, thrillers. And so that's what I really wanted to write. I actually read a book when I was um, working in a newspaper in South Florida called Trouble by Jesse Kellerman. So he's the son of Jonathan and Faye Kellerman. And that was a book that really like just turned my idea of writing on its head because it is a thriller. <laughs> There's like everything, you know, very unreliable narrator and very twisty and terrifying um, and flips sort of like the expected on its head. And it was so smart. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these are things you can do. You know, <laughs> like sure. it was very eye opening that book. Um, and so I really did cut my teeth writing crime fiction. And, um, honestly, like <laughs> it kind of has bled over into my YA writing because, um, I have one book where I haven't murdered someone. <laughs> so I, um, I'm a really nice person, but apparently fictionally, sure. I really like killing people. <laughs> so how did that turn then take? If you were kind of seeing right. yourself as a crime fiction writer and mm-hmm. now you're writing and publishing in YA, right. where was the turning point there? 
So the turn was, um, I had my second child. I only have two kids. Um, and my daughter is now five. She just turned five. And I was at home on maternity leave. And I, um, I had just had a rejection for my second book that we went out on sub with, uh, out on submission for a crime fiction. And I was, I was, it was always the editors loved it, but then the marketing people, and I work in marketing during my day job, so I get this, but they, they didn't know what to do with me. Um, because I kind of rode the line between women's fiction and um, crime fiction, but not in the same way of like a Gillian Flynn. So, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of disheartening. And I was just like at home and I had 12 weeks and I was like, I got to write a book while I'm here, <laughs> you know, with my daughter like sitting in my lap. Um, but I was kind of like, I cannot kill anyone right now. I can't do the same thing that I've done over and over and over again. Um, and I had like looked at revisings and stuff and I just, I like couldn't do it. So, um, actually during that maternity leave, I started both Sea Witch and Throw Like a Girl that comes out in January. (laughs) So it was sort of just like this, you know, I was almost afraid to, to talk to my agent about it because she didn't sign me for this, you know, like I didn't, um, I wasn't sure what to expect. She didn't have any fantasy people on her role. And, um, you know, I was certainly going like left field from where I had been, but it felt right. And I really, you know, I feel like for writing, you know, you should do it for you. <laughs> like sure. there's going to be the market forever, but like, you know, when you're at home and you are sitting on a couch because there's a little baby sleeping on you and you just have your phone, you just get out and write, you know, what makes you happy. Great. Well, let's, I want to jump into talking about Throw Like a Girl, and then I want to back yes. up to a few things you said. So Throw Like a Girl is uh, your newest release, comes out on January 7th. So let's start uh, by giving me the synopsis of what the book's about. So Throw Like a Girl is about a down-spiraling softball player who is recruited to be the not-so-backup quarterback on her ex-boyfriend's football team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so very different from my <laughs> my fantasy, Sea Witch and Sea Witch Rising. Um, but actually kind of more true to my background because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I was in sports journalism for a long time. And um, I really like the idea of taking women and girls and putting them in male-dominated spaces and then having them be successful. So, um, you know, from my sports background, I covered a lot of football sure. <laughs> in both – Kansas, um, Pennsylvania, and South Florida, and uh, I thought that it would be really fun to throw a girl into basically the most male-dominated sport possible and then make it kind of soapy and fun. So it's a romantic comedy, <laughs> romantic sports comedy, I guess. It's interesting. So uh, as you as you referred to it, your first, your debut was Sea Witch. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more of a science fiction uh, mermaid inspired story, very right. much different than obviously Throw Like a Girl, which is a contemporary uh, mm-hmm. romance. Was it, and you say you came uh, or started kind of working on them, fleshing them out at the same time. Yeah. Was it almost like, because it sounds like they're two, you know, very different books. Was it almost like a, I don't know, like a left brain, right brain thing where they were each oh, uh-huh. kind of a different itch that you were kind of scratching? Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I, I think you're right. You know, um, all the mysteries I ever wrote were contemporary. So I already kind of lived in that space, especially because I do have a background as a journalist, right? Like mm-hmm. we're always writing in contemporary <laughs> spaces. Um, and then Sea Witch is, it's set in the 1860s. Sea Witch Rising is set in the 1910s. So they're not 
technically historical fiction um, because I can get away with some things that you can't do in historical fiction, like boys and girls touching each other's hands, mm. <laughs> you know, like, or they, they could be in the same room together. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I was just creatively, to me, so I know we like to put writers in like, you know, an easily branded path, right? Like um, from a marketing sense, that makes sense. But for me, I almost see myself as more like, you know, an actor wants to try all these different roles and not just be the person who's always in the Regency romance, you know? And I think writers can be the same way. Like, you know, you don't have to always do the same thing. You can have the ability to do different things very well. And it's storytelling is storytelling to me. <laughs> you know, the world building is slightly different. Um, definitely the fandoms are different, but... Um, I think that it can be appropriate to write very vastly different stories. And, you know, as long as you're getting to the heart of the humanity and like the experience, mm -hmm. you're going to do okay. Sure. That's great. Now, obviously, uh, your sports journalism background helped you a lot in this book, <laughs> yes. subject matter wise. But when yes. it comes to just the act of writing itself, have you found that your journalism skills have you been able to use any of those traits or disciplines over carrying over into your fiction writing? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think that, you know, I benefited from being a journalist and that I was talking to people all day. Mm -hmm. So I think that you get a sense of how dialogue can go, how you can move from point A to point B and get all the information across. Because I would go and I'd interview people and, you know, I'd have a sense as they were talking of, the structure of my story. So then I would get back and it's almost like hanging, you know, like picture frame, right? Like you got to put up this corner and that corner and then you kind of work your way around. And um, I still set up scenes that way as I write. You know, I, I don't stumble forward as much, I think, because I am used to, you know, having to piece things together to get from point A to point B. Um, I also think that it has benefited me in that I don't tend to believe in writer's block, like, mm -hmm. at all. <laughs> like, when you're a journalist and you are out in a story and you come back and you're told you have 45 minutes to write 12 inches because everything is in inches sure. in mm -hmm. newspapers, um, you do it. <laughs> you know, like, there's no, like, sitting around putzing going, oh, my goodness, I really, I just don't know about this, mm -hmm. you know, first paragraph. No, you just do it. And um, so I think that was really good training for me because you do have good days and bad days. Like I, it's not like every day I have is a good day. Um, but I know when the words aren't coming or I'm having just like a difficult day that there's other things I can do. You know, I can plot, I can work on a bit of dialogue. I can go back and revise a scene to make it crisper and then write myself notes so that when I am feeling it, I can get going, you know? And um, I think it also benefited in that I'm very disciplined as far as like, if I have to produce a story, I am like 100% the type of person that's like, okay, so this is due two months from now. That means I've got to write a thousand words a day. And I just am very diligent about it and I do it. And you kind of mentioned uh, since you had started off sort of with visions of, of being a crime writer uh, mm -hmm. and you had an agent for that. Right. How did you sort of break it and was it a, to your agent and was it sort of accepted when you took such a turn in the type of writing you were now producing? 
Um, yeah, no, she was great about it. She was like, oh, yeah, I know where that should go. Um, and I actually, I have a different agent now, but it, it worked out pretty well in that, um, you know, we figured out a good home for me to start off. And I think, you know, I was really lucky with HarperCollins and Seawitch. I was really lucky with the amount of promotion they did for a debut. Um, and I was, you know, I was just super lucky with, um, the interest among like YA fantasy fandom. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, that had more to do with the pitch of the story than me (laughs) and my cool cover. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) So, um, you know, it, it is a scary thing, but you also have to remember that like your agent is, a, you know, it's a business partner. It's mm-hmm. a business relationship. And it's hard for writers to think that way because for so long you're trying to break in and you're dealing with these gatekeepers and you feel like if you ever push back or if you ever do anything different or unexpected that um, you're going to be dropped. <laughs> and if you have a good agent and you have a good plan for your career, that's not going to happen. Mm. That's great. And so when you kind of uh, went into the YA space, were there books that uh, you really were inspired by or you really clung to in the, within the YA category uh, as ev- either before you started writing mm-hmm. YA or as you were writing that really kind of were maybe a guidepost for you or just inspirational for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I always, I, you know, I loved reading YA. Um, although I, when I was a teenager, YA wasn't really a thing. Um, and so it wasn't until later, until after college, when I read, I started reading all the Harry Potters, like, one by one. you know, when you're in college, you're so busy reading for school that you don't actually get to read for fun. And so my first year out of school, I was working at night and so was my husband, um, sports desk <laughs> life. And, um, so I just read, I read so much that first year I was living in Scranton, Pennsylvania, the electric city, if you've ever watched Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, the office and, you know, and it's just a, you know, moving across country and living in a new place. And my husband worked different hours than I did. And so I just devoured all the Harry Potter books that were out until that point. I think that maybe five had been out and, um, and I just, I loved them. Like I couldn't get enough. It was candy for my brain that had been just so like beat down by college. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I also read widely then that was when Chicklet was a really big deal. I read all of Sophie Kinsella's books and the Bergdorf Blondes. And, um, I read a lot of John Grisham that year <laughs> and the lovely bones. Oh, the lovely bones right. and, um, the Da Vinci code, like, the people I worked with at the newspaper, we were all in our early twenties, like just out of school. And we passed around the freaking Da Vinci code and then stayed up until like 6am because we would get off work at one thirty and just talk about that book. Um, and so I didn't really get a chance to read YA or much of anything it felt like until after college. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I, you know, the hunger games happened and, you know, those were, I just, I devoured those too. Um, and before I started writing YA, I had made friends with people who wrote YA. And, um, so I had devoured all of their books and, you know, it was just something where you take something that you enjoy reading and it's like, well, can I execute that? You know, my husband was always like, I bet you'd be a really good YA writer. And I was like, no, I'm not. I was such a boring teenager. I would be awful writing YA. But then I didn't really think about the fact that like, 
boring teenagers need stories too. <laughs> so sure. you wrote science fiction. Uh, you're writing yeah. uh, contemporary. Are there other maybe genres uh, you'd like to explore mm -hmm. or have ideas about, or are at least would like to have an idea fleshed out enough that you could take a stab mm -hmm. at another type of genre? Well, I would like to go back to mystery at some point. Um, you know, I think Karen McManus has done a great job of sort of infusing sure. like actual traditional mystery into YA with, you know, one of us is lying and her other books. Um, and I think that would be really fun to explore. It'd be really cool to do. Um, but, you know, I would like to write more contemporary, uh, either in the same world or something else. And, um, you know, and my son, who's 11, reads a lot of middle grade. And so I've been toying with some ideas there, too, although I feel a little out of my depth. So that might be a learning experience. Sure. But I think it'd be something fun that we could do together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really do think you can be broad. You know, you don't have to just kind of write the same sort of story all the time. And, you know, because of it's where you kind of first started out, have it, have you left the door open to go back to adult crime fiction or are you sort of kind of settled with, no, settled is the wrong word. Are you sort of kind of happy with you? Why am I messing up? Because I'm messing up. <laughs> are you sort of content now with where you are and you, you feel that you have a lot more that you want to explore within YA? Oh, I, you know, I feel content for sure, but I never want to close the door on an idea that I feel strongly about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's up to working with my agent because it's, you know, again, it's a business um, relationship about like, okay, here are my ideas. Here are the categories I think that they're for. What do you think? Um, because before I start anything, I always kind of write up um, basically an elevator pitch and, like kind of like the back flap copy. So if you're mm -hmm. familiar with query letters, I basically write a query letter, <laughs> um, like the meat of what's going to happen and an elevator pitch and send it to my agent for her feedback before I even really get started. And I find that that helps so that we kind of can both agree on like what, what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's worked really well for us. Um, I have another book that's coming out in July of 2020 called The Princess Will Save You. And it's a ginger swap princess bride. And um, that was a book that I was like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And she was like, yes, do it. And then we sold it um, on proposal. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it can really work out if you have the same point of view. But, you know, I think if I went to any other category or tried to do anything different, I would have hundred percent conversation with her first. Um, I also, I, I do have a book and I like almost based on this. I have a book that's actually traditional historical fiction. Um, that is sort of like my back burner book that I've been working on for like two years. Mm. Um, cause it takes a lot of research. It's, um, based on a real historical event that happened in Kansas that, um, was basically the bloodiest, death of civilians um, during the Civil War. And it's not something that's like taught outside of Kansas. It's um, called Quantil Quantil's Raid. And if you've ever seen the movie Ride with the Devil, <laughs> um, Tommy McGuire's character actually is one of the raiders and they raid Lawrence, um, which is the town I live in in Kansas, during that movie. So he's actually on like the bad side. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, but that movie is based on a book about William Quantrill, who is this awful 
the Civil War man. And um, so I, you know, I have, it really is like a straight historical fiction and I don't know if there's a place for it. I know, you know, Westerns can be a thing, but it's really centered on something that actually happened and, um, and sort of this uh, Billy the Kid young guns kind of way. (laughs) So uh, it's things that happened and things that didn't happen. Melded together. I don't even know where they're going to put that on the shelf if it ever happens. <laughs> but I have it like halfway done. It's just been that way for a while. <laughs> sure. And I want to go back to, because I was thinking, I was just thinking about this. We talked about how your journalism training has helped your fiction writing. Right. Is there a way in which, uh, you know, it sounded like there were so many benefits to having that, that background. Is there something within fiction writing that, you know, is constantly kind of, I'll say a thorn in your side in that, you know, no amount of journalism training could prepare you for writing fiction because of this aspect that, you know, whether it gives you trouble or just is always sort of this obstacle for you. There's nothing that journalism or anything else can prepare you for in publishing that helps you with the waiting Mm -hmm. (laughs) because everything about it is hurry up and wait. Um, And there's, there's a good amount of hurry up and wait in journalism. Um, but, uh, usually it's resolved quickly and, um, but publishing is very, like, you never know if you're going to get good news now or in like five months. And then when you do get good news, you can't say anything for a year. And it's just (laughs) very difficult because I'm usually a pretty open book type person. So, um, I would say that's difficult for me, but it's not actually the craft. Gotcha. Very good. Well, let's wind down now. And as we do, I'll ask you a few questions. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? So uh, given the book I have coming out in July, The Princess Bride is probably my answer. But I assume that you've probably gotten that one before. It is a popular one. So I thought of something else. (laughs) Um, I mean, I love The Princess Bride. I watch it probably like once a month. Um, but I decided I would also pick All the President's Men, okay. um, which is actually based on a nonfiction book. But considering my journalism background, I mean, that was like, oh, I loved watching that. And again, I was never like an ambulance chaser. I'm not mm-hmm. going to break any like, you know, story wide open, but I love that movie. Um, and actually, I looked it up um, because of this answer and both scripts are written by William Goldman. So mm-hmm. how's that for weird? Wow. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. Is there a book or a series you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? I have never read any of Sarah J. Moss's books. And that's not because I haven't, like, wanted to. I just, like, I've never done it. Um, So they're very long and intimidating (laughs) because there's so many of them. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. Uh, But I hear that they're really beloved. Everyone loves them. So... I always am kind of embarrassed that I haven't read any of them. Very good. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? I want to pick one that I think is kind of underappreciated. I've, I've been really lucky to read a lot of arcs um, in the past year. Um, But one I was going to pick was one that came out in 2018 and it's called an assassin's guide to love and treason Mm -hmm. by Virginia Baker. And it is um, basically about a plot to kill Queen Elizabeth um, during the debut of Twelfth Night, the play. So it's like a play inside of a book and it's like kind of Shakespeare in love and that it's a 
um, girl pretending to be a boy pretending to be a girl and like <laughs> just really, really great historical fiction. Um, and she, she did a really great job of just bringing real people to life. Shakespeare's a character. Marlowe is a character. Like it's just, it's so good. Great. Well, Sarah, Throw Like a Girl is out on January 7th. Can't wait for that one, as well as uh, the one you come out later on uh, this year, uh, The Princess Will Save You. And any other books you have waiting for us down the road? <laughs> Thank you. And that wraps up this episode. I want to thank Sarah Henning for joining me. Her newest book, Throw Like a Girl, is out on January the 7th. So I hope you'll check that out. And if you've enjoyed this episode and have enjoyed many of the other episodes we've had with YA people, I hope you'll share that uh, with others. Uh, We'd love to get new listeners. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.